All right, good to see all of you, and I love seeing the um, all the handsome people in the front, right? And I mean, all of you in the back are handsome too, but they're really, um, it's nice. So, I mean, this is the, the beautiful faces Sergio get to, gets to see every Sunday, and uh, what a blessing it is. And uh, it's so nice to worship together. It is December already, and um, if you are, you know, a student, boy, Christmas is exciting. You're looking forward to it. You're going to get stuff. If you are not a student, Christmas is a little scary because you've got to go buy stuff and give it away, right? And the older you get, our list keeps growing and growing. So, uh, boy, it goes by so fast. Three, um, I just wanted to mention again, 300 kids um, we were trying to get gifts for, for Olive Crest, and we uh, fulfilled all of them and are fulfilling them by today, but all of them were committed to and taken. And can you imagine, um, especially as we have our uh, youth in here, can you imagine uh, being 14 years old and not having a home, not having your own room, not having your own place, not being having access to mom and dad by just saying, mom, dad, and calling them out? Can you imagine what life is like? Can you imagine how hard it is at school to explain, I don't have a house, I don't have an address, and they're going to get a gift. Um, and uh, um, it's going to come from a group of Christians. They're not going to know us by name, but they're going to be like, wow. And there is someone there that they're going to have to thank for that. And I think they're going to be looking to God and thanking a God. Thank you for these people, because it, it will be coming from God for, to them. And so um, we're excited, and today's picnic is going to be awesome. Um, a lot of them you're just going to get to meet and hang out with. Um, and, uh, you know, put on your happy face and outgoing attitude as much as possible. Come and talk to them. Can you imagine what it would be like? Um, and so we're excited, and I'm just so proud of our church um, for just stepping up and doing so much in this time. And so these events are big, and uh, we're excited about um, all that good stuff that's happening there um, and um, just what... Um, that means. So thank you all so much. Great job. And uh, we want to just thank God for all of you. You know, there's a scene out of a, a movie called uh, Schindler's List. Um, some of you know that. Um, young people, you should watch that um, with your parents one day. Schindler's List is a story, uh, a true story about a man named Oscar Schindler. And he saves a lot of Jews during um, the Holocaust. Right? And he uses influence and power. And there's a scene there in that movie. He's on his horse, he's on top of this hill, and he's overlooking uh, this concentration camp when they are just killing hundreds and hundreds of the Jews. And they are killing them. And as he's looking at the masses of people, and this movie, as you remember, is filmed in black and white. Um, there is a girl, a little girl, probably four or five years old maybe, just a, barely a toddler, a little bit. Um, and she's wearing a red coat, and she is walking, and... Uh, the filmmaker makes her coat stand out in red, and all his focus is going on this little girl. And then all of a sudden, this big event has become personal, and this little girl goes, and then she ends up becoming killed, and then he later on sees that red coat in a pile of bodies being moved as she is now dead, and the focus is there. I think about that scene, and I think really in a similar way is what's happened here in the text that we read. Um, they're still in the temple. Last week, Pastor John talked about the temple and how they weren't making it into a house of prayer and Jesus was overturning the money changers and so on. Um, they're still there. And in the midst of this busyness of the temple, 
Um, the rich people are coming in and they are now getting recognized and people are applauding them as they are dropping their offering into these big uh, containers that would make a loud sound. The more you put in, the louder the sound. The bigger the, the coin, the louder the sound it would make. And everyone would notice, oh, here comes so-and-so, they're our number one. Here comes so-and-so, their family is so well off. And here comes so-and-so. And they're uh, noticing them. And in the midst of that, you can imagine, no one notices but Jesus, a little widow. I picture this grandma, maybe a small little grandmother walking in. I almost picture it being like a black and white scene where he sees her in color and notices her, and she comes in. No one pays attention. And she puts two coins in. It's equivalent to a fraction of a penny. Not even a whole penny, a fraction of a penny. And she puts something in. And maybe she says a prayer and she walks back out and no one notices and he calls his disciples. He says, come over here, see that lady. Disciples are looking at the rich people. They're nodding and pointing because we all get so impressed with a little bit of money. And they say, look, look at that lady. A couple coins, a few pennies. No one notices her, but there's so much to learn from her. The, the rich people, the, um, even the scribes here that he rebukes in the very previous section, they come in to get noticed by people. We all want to get noticed by people, but it is the poor widow who is noticed by Christ. And it is far more important to be noticed by God than it is to be noticed by people. Um, and this is the story that we see here. It's interesting because he teaches about these scribes and the people that are out there. And he says in chapter 12, verse 40, something interesting. They devour widows' households. They take advantage. Uh, they take from them. Widows were in a category where we ought to be giving to them, but they were taking from them. And he says, how can they do that? And right after, a widow walks in. And she should be in the posture to now say, give me something, give me some help. But she comes into a place and she says, I'm here to give. And it's a beautiful picture that Jesus points out. And there are so many lessons for us today because it is far easier and it's far more tempting to be like the rich because we are rich. We notice the rich. We talk about the rich. We put them on red carpets and we put lights and cameras on them because we all want to be like them, but no one notices the poor. And Jesus points out this widow. And today we're going to learn from her. And this little offering that she gives here. Um, what she gives is so important because, first of all, it is sacrificial. Sacrificial. We don't, we don't use that word often, but she, it costs her something. Um, verse 42, uh, 43, rather, describes it. Says, Today I say to you, this poor widow has put in more. This poor widow. Now, in those days, and as it is now, there are categories of people who are in the poorest, the most destitute situations. And, um, you know, they included the foreigners, they included the poor, they included orphans and widows. And uh, uh, Nicholas Walterstorff in his book, Justice, talks about why it matters, why we have to show preference and care for them. And he says this, it's interesting because he says, bad things happen to all of us, right? 
uh, flat tires, uh, things might get stolen out of our school locker. Um, you know, we might lose our phone or misplace it. And bad things happen. But he says those are just events. Those are things that might happen once in a while. For the widow, the orphan, it's an everyday experience. I just want to quote a little bit. For any society whatsoever, it is likely that those at the bottom of the social hierarchy are suffering the most grievous injustice. Here is why. Robbery and assault are events. They are episodes. If the victim of a robbery is a wealthy person, the robbery is an episode in a life that likely has been going quite nicely. By contrast, it is all too likely that the daily condition of those at the bottom is, is unjust. Widows are burglarized and assaulted. Episodes of injustice also occur in their lives. But in addition, their situation is all too often unjust, demeaning, impoverished, voiceless. So she is extra special. The Bible talks about um, that God in, in Psalm 65 is the defender of the widow, the father to the fatherless, that there is a special emphasis on these categories of people because they suffer all the time. These kids that many of you will go see today in the afternoon and the gifts that we're giving, it's not a one-time occurrence. They're suffering every day. And so we want to think about that for a moment. And it is in the midst of that, he says, look to her. And what she does, now she's in the, the class of the widow. She's, she's in the bottom four. She's on the bottom of the social scale. She's on the bottom. But the Bible describes her not just as a widow, but what? A poor widow. So amongst the widows, she was the poorest one. A, a widow, back in those days, a widow was very different than maybe uh, widows today in America. Widows back then... Um, they couldn't just go get a job and start working. They were fully dependent. If their husband had died, they were dependent on their children. If they didn't have children, they were, she was dependent on the husband's family, the husband's brothers to take her in and take care of her. And so often, widows without a big family that was supportive would end up in the street. And it is maybe her situation, because she's not just a widow, she is a poor widow. And so the person who gives makes such a difference, right? I remember when I was uh, in college, when I was 19 years old, I was going to a mission trip to Russia. And I was raising funds to go to this mission trip to Russia. And um, at church, I was selling Cokes. We were selling Cokes, and we were selling all sorts of stuff, trying to raise some money to go to Russia. I had to raise like, I don't know, 1,500 bucks or 2,000 bucks, which back then was a lot. It was like... 3,000 bucks. I don't know what it would know, be equal to, but it was a lot. And so I'm like, how are we going to come up with this money? And I was selling Cokes. And I distinctly remember two people who gave to me. There was a man, I didn't know, an older man. He's probably in his, I don't know, 60s. Um, had a nice suit on, and he called me over. He says, bring me a, bring me a six-pack of Coke for you know, everyone here that we're eating. Uh, eat, we're eating together. So I brought him a Coke. I was excited. We're charging a dollar a can, right? Because we bought them for like a quarter. So it was like 75% profit. What a margin, you know? And I was like excited. So I'm going to get six bucks. I hope he gives me a 10 and he hands me a hundred. And I was like, oh man, I don't have change. He goes, no, no, don't worry about it. Just keep it. And I remember my jaw dropped. I still remember his face. I don't know his name, but I remember he pulled out a wad of money. He was, take a hundred in front of his friends. And he gave me a hundred. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, you gave me a hundred, right? Like I wanted to tell everyone, I, I've never seen a hundred dollar bill. You know, like, look at this. Um, is it real? And I wanted to pull out a marker and test it. No, but um, I said, wow, you gave me a hundred. Um, and I remember him. I was so impressed with him, I remember. But I remember at the same time, there was a little girl. She was probably about six and I was her Sunday school teacher. Um, she showed up um, probably in the next couple of weeks and she said, oh, I want to give you this for your mission trip. Really cute gesture. And she took a toilet paper roll and she decorated it with little flowers or, you know, I don't know, maybe it was a Russian flag. I don't remember really, okay? Um, I don't remember um, a lot of things. But anyway, so, and then she put in a, a Ziploc bag of all her change and she put it in and made it kind of pretty, as pretty as a six-year-old could. And she said, here, Steve teacher, you know, have a good trip. And I was like, oh, like maybe five bucks, you know, like, oh, like your mom couldn't have pitched in. Oh, th thanks. And um, the mom told me, oh, she saved up and this was all out of her piggy bank and she wanted to, you know, give to you. And I was like, oh, that's sweet, you know. In hindsight, all right, I mean, that little girl gave me everything. It was a sacrifice compared to the guy who had thousands and thousands of dollars and gave me one in front of his friends. I don't, I don't judge his heart. I'm grateful. Um, anytime you give, anytime you think of someone who is significant, the more significant they are to you, the more it costs you. It does. Now, you're going to go do some, uh, you guys will have some Christmas parties, right? The youth group, you'll have some Christmas parties, and you'll get together, and you might have a gift exchange, and it's kind of meaningless, and you might bring something. And it's okay, you might bring something, and it might be re-gifted, Right? Your mom might have a re-gift section. Okay, just take one of these, you know. Mom, I can't take this. This is from, uh, you know, 2004. It's okay, just take it, and you take it. And uh, they open it. You, you don't even remember that you brought it. And you're impressed by the gift until you found out you brought it. Anyway, so, but the more important the person is, the more it costs you. You cannot give something that is cheap to someone that is important to you. And all of you grown-ups here, quote-unquote, your list is getting longer and longer. Your stress is coming because, not so much because you're materialistic or buying gifts or bad, but because you want to make uh, your loved ones happy. You want to make sure they like this. And you want to give your best to them. If you are married, you want to give your best to your spouse. <clears throat> if you have kids, you want to give the best to them. When it comes to God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, we ought to always approach him with a thought of sacrifice, that what can I give to the Lord? Here, a poor widow comes and gives. Instead of saying, just give me, she comes to give in a sacrificial way. Um, second thing is she trusted God with everything. And some of us here, let me rephrase that. All of us here, all of you here have something you need to trust God with. School stuff, work stuff, future. All of us are always worried about the future, future of your loved ones. What are they going to do? How are you going to pay the bills? He deserves your trust, and he deserves all of your trust because he is able, and he is powerful, and he knows. Um, it's interesting. You look at verse 44. This is the description of how she gave. Verse 44 and they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything, everything, all she had to live on. 
Mark makes sure he uses both words, everything, all, all of it. She placed her life in God's hands. It's not that these few pennies were going to make a difference in building a temple or helping someone, no. But it was her life she was laying down, and she trusted in this way. I'm going to encourage you to trust God more. I'm going to encourage you to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. God, um, help me through this. God, I've got this issue at school. I got this issue at work. Um, I got this prayer request at home. God, I'm going to trust you with this. You know, this past few months, I was rereading uh, Jerry Bridges' book, Trusting God, uh, when life uh, you know, is difficult. He writes a book called Trusting God, wonderful book. And he talks about a few things, and he talks about, first he says, you need to learn, we need to learn to trust God, not just with the big calamities in life, but in everyday little things. And um, one of the things he says, he says, I was a prisoner to my feelings, I mistakenly thought I could not trust God unless I felt like trusting him. Let me say that again. I was a prisoner to my feelings. I mistakenly thought I could not trust God unless I felt like trusting him. And most of us are like that. We go to God in prayer. Can I trust him? Um, We think about, well, should I trust him? I don't feel like it. Don't be a prisoner to your feelings. Trust God. Go to God and trust him. And thirdly, she gave thanks. This was her um, act of worship. You know, when they would give, it was to, to give thanks to God. Now, the opposite of giving thanks is complaining. Right? I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, but how many of us know a complainer? Right? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, faces pop up. Some of you are like, oh, it's, it's that guy in my house. Yeah, I know. Um, you, know you know, we know. Right? We're surrounded. I Googled complainers, and there were article after articles in the Harvard Business Journal and all these others, how to deal with complainers, six ways to stop complainers, how to confront the complainers at work. They were surrounded by complainers. And the opposite of a complainer is someone who gives thanks. If there was someone who had every right to complain, it would be this widow. And she could have come to God and said, God, why me? And she could have gone to the rich people, hey, why are you giving there? Why aren't you giving to me? Hey, I deserve more. Why is my life so bad? Why am I a widow? Why am I a poor widow? And she could have come to God in the temple with complaints, but she comes with thanksgiving. And I want to encourage all of you. It is very tempting for us, living where we live, having what we have, to be entitled to the things that we feel like we should have. I want us to be filled with thanksgiving. Every meal you eat, I want you to thank God for that meal, right? It's not you have to pray before. There's nothing in the Bible that says you should pray before. You could pray during your meal. Like if it's really good, pray during your meal. You could pray after. You could pray twice. Like if, man, you're, you know, dad bought you a good steak, man, just, just pause it, dad. I need to pray. Like, you know, I thank God for you. Man, this, this, you know, sizzler or whatever is so good, right? Some of you don't know what sizzler is, right? Um, some of us do, all right? The Bible says this. First Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances. The opposite of complaining is thanksgiving. The psalmist says in Psalm 9, 1, 
The psalmist give thanks for the past things. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will recount all of your wondrous deeds. I'm going to recount it. So think back for a moment. Be grateful for your birth. Be grateful for the things that you have, the friends that you made. Look back on life and how God has let you come to faith. And also the psalmist prays for the future. Psalm 18:10. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. He's going to love me tomorrow. He's going to take care of me till I'm old and I'm gone to be with him forever. And so the gratitude comes both ways. And we come and um, do this. You know, there was an article in the New York Times. Uh, a couple years ago, it was called a micro-complaint. Nothing too small to complain about. And the author of this article was saying that we in our day and age complain about the smallest things. And he used examples because of social media of people who complained, famous people who complain about small things. And now, um, really, it's, you know, what we, you know what humble bragging is, right? I, I learned that recently. Humble bragging is someone that writes, oh, gosh, I'm so tired because I just got back on this vacation. And, you know, gosh, and I got to clean my house. It's so big, you know, and I'm so <laughs> sick of my house. And I got to get oil changes. I have three cars, and I can only drive one at a time. And, oh, gosh, you know, I'm feeling annoyed and sad face or whatever it is, right? Humble brag, Right? Those of you teenagers, you got a whole bunch of humble braggers at your school, right? Like on Instagram, whatever, whatever it is, right? Don't like the humble brags, okay? Just dislike, you know, if there was one. Well, don't, don't do that either. Um, so he, he quotes some of them. Ariana Grande tweeted at the airport, this happened. Quote, they confiscated Frankie's glitter. Do you know who Frankie is? Some of you know, right? Her, her half-brother, right? That's what the article tells us. So they confiscated poor Frankie's glitter spray at the airport, dot, 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 dot. He's devastated, right? So that's, you know, they were talking about that. Um, Elizabeth Hurley in 2013, two irritating things this morning. The bread is moldy and there's only decaf coffee. Like, oh, you know, you can go buy the bakery with what you have, right? And this one, 2010, Kanye West. Some of you know Kanye West, he said. I specifically ordered Persian rugs with cherub imagery. What do I have to do get, to get a simple Persian rug with cherub imagery? Ugh, that was his tweet, right? And he's saying, it is easy, and it is tempting for us to, co the cousin of humble bragging, the author says, is complaint bragging. We complain because we feel entitled. We feel like we deserve something. Service isn't fast enough. The food isn't good enough. The stuff isn't big enough. We, as the people of God, need to come with gratitude. You need to come into this place that we call our church, and you come in with gratitude. Um, and I think there is a disservice sometimes, right? Especially our church churches in Orange County, we, the churches market it so well, and they market and they keep saying, come, it's casual, it's fun, come hang out at our church, you know? There's nothing wrong with fun and casual, but really, that's not the main point of the church, of following Christ. It's not casual and it's not fun. It's life and death. And we come 
with gratitude. And I want to encourage all of us to learn from her how to live, not just how to give, but how to live. Man, may it cost you something to follow Christ. I challenge that even the teenagers, the disciples, many of them are your age. May it cost you something to say, I'm going to live for Christ. Maybe a simple thing like praying before you eat and everyone's going to, you know, giggle at you and you're kind of embarrassed. May you pray boldly before you eat. May you go and love someone that no one wants to talk to. You know, your friends are starting to use language that you know you shouldn't. Why don't you stand up and just say, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to use that kind of language. Because I'm just a Christian. I don't do that. And that goes for all of us as well. May we live a sacrificial life to Christ that is filled with gratitude. And would you trust him with your life because he is trustworthy of your life. But today, later, I'm going to ask Pastor John to lead us in prayer. We're going to say, God, these are the things I need to trust you with. I trust you with everything. With my whole life, I will trust you. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, you teach us often from the weakest, from the overlooked. And in your word today, we see a picture of a poor widow who gives, doesn't complain, doesn't even talk. And you tell us that she's given more than the rich have given. God, we're just humbled, God. We get easily uh, impressed with someone with a little bit of money or we get attracted to them. God, we're just humbled. And it's so easy for us to depend on our own money as well. God, we trust you with our lives. We trust you with our eternity. We trust you with all that we have. And so God, would you help us to have this kind of faith in you always, God? You alone deserve all that we have. Everything, all of our lives, God, we give to you. And today, Lord, I want to just pray for these Olive Crest uh, children, these teenagers. God, as they receive these gifts, uh, may their gratitude go towards you. May all glory go towards you, and I pray for them. I pray, Lord, that you would guard them and watch over them and help them quickly to find a home. And I pray that the picnic today and the gifts that we give um, to these children would encourage them and would start a life of faith in you. Be with them, Lord. You know how hard it is for them. So we thank you. We, we just ask your blessing upon all that we give to them. We thank you for this time. I thank you for our youth who are in here, God, and just uh, may their faith uh, grow evermore. God, I pray, thank you for everyone else here. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.